Welcome to a dialogue on accountability in the digital age. A dialogue with a global multi-stakeholder community representing national and local governments, international policymakers, civil society, NGOs, the ICT industry, as well as other relevant organizations and institutes. Indeed, welcome to another episode of Dialogues on Accountability in a Digital Age. I'm your host, Fritz Pussmarker, and today I'm delighted and privileged to have a conversation with Richard Foster Fletcher. Hey, Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Fritz, for the opportunity to be here. Great. Hey, uh, Richard, you are an AI advisor, visiting lecturer and speaker, but foremost also the host and uh, creator of the Boundless podcast uh, of the MKAI uh, initiative. So that's the Milton Keys. AI uh, podcast. Hey, welcome to the show. You have over 20 years experience in IT, so a lot to share. Uh, but let me start off with asking you what the, the Milton Keys AI podcast, that seems quite specific, but it isn't. Uh, how did that start? <laughs> well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. Um, yeah, the podcast is called Boundless, but uh, you're absolutely right that we've actually synced it up with the themes now of uh, the MKAI community, which over the summer is going to be comparing and contrasting UN, EU and Chinese mindset, strategy, policies around AI. So we've got our work cut out across the shows and the events. So we formed it in Milton Keynes. It's where I live. It's a vibrant city of technology. We have more robots than Silicon Valley. They deliver our food. We've got autonomous vehicles that are back online again now with our new 5G project. We're a quarter of a million people growing to half a million people um, and one of the areas of biggest investment in immigration in the UK. And we didn't really have an AI scene, so it made sense for me to start at home and grow from there. And it's funny, you know, with COVID, obviously, we went online, we found this global audience. And around the same time that we realised we were now a, a global force, you know, we, we also realized that MKAI was becoming a brand. And so it was sort of impossible to switch things up at that point. So we embrace it. We love Milton Keynes. We keep one foot in the city and supporting their aims and ambitions. And we added the, we added the, A, <laughs> I get my words out. We added the inclusive AI community afterwards. So people now know what we do. Oh, excellent. So Milton Keynes is by all means a living lab for modern technology. Very much so, yeah. Um, we've got all sorts of exciting projects going on with the 5G network. Uh, we've got um, drone corridors opening up. We've uh, we've actually had um, approval for a vacuum tunnel to be built between London and Milton Keynes for delivery of small parcels. So it uses very, very little energy. Uh, we want to be the cleanest, greenest city around. And this is not easy for us because we were a car city. We were modeled, you know, after the war, 1960s, like an American city with the grid and the vertical and horizontal roads. We were set up for the car. But we're uh, reevaluating ourselves with new sorts of transport. We, we've got all the scooters now across the city. So we've yeah. got low carbon transport. Great. Got an ambitious council. It's a good place to be. Yeah. So uh, you actually, so you're fully making use, embracing digital technology. Very much so. We, yeah. We're we a bit of a hybrid between an advisory organization and a community. But yeah, we try and walk the talk, yes. Uh, being congruent is always a good approach uh, in my book. Now, could you take us through what are the typical discussions and topics uh, dealing with AI? What are people enthusiastic about? What are people concerned about? 
Well, we do our bit for the community. So we, we host events where we are just learning about the technology and holding workshops. But our real passion, the thing that drives us is the intersection of AI with society, industries, and of course, other technologies. So our events model that. We talk a lot about things like your interest in accountability. We explore regulation. We've got a lot of lawyers in the group that like to contribute. And then in terms of our projects, the latest one we've done was working with Kavya Perman on the XRSI, so Extended Reality Safety Initiative that was presented to uh, President Biden and others. And this is, this is the intersection of data with these devices. And if I could give you an example, Fritz, of yes, the challenges in this area, um, that you and I can be on Chrome browser on our laptop and decide, look, maybe we don't like the federated learning of cohorts flock that Google's introduced. It's fine. We've just got to Brave, right? We go to Firefox. It's, it's one click. But as you step into a connected car, which counts as extended realities, when you put a virtual reality headset on, for example, Facebook's Oculus Quest 2, when you put an IoT device on like a, like a watch, there's no browser, right? The terms and conditions are there, but it starts to become a very fluid environment for data collection. The Oculus Quest 2 can harvest 2 million data points after 20, mil 20 minutes of use. And this is backdoor data. This is beyond almost GDPR. It's inference data. It's what you look at. And it's health data. It's monitoring how you're moving, right? Your flexibility, your reaction time, your speed over time that's that's health data to analyze how fit and well you are and there's no browser you can switch on there so we've got a lot of work to make sure that this doesn't become uh tech's big step towards being trillion dollar companies and, and stopping innovation at a small level for others to be in this space now in these discussions uh when you uh share this knowledge with people that that this is actually happening um is this a concern for people or do they really don't care? Do you know, well, there's two sides to that coin. On one hand, you look around the hundreds and hundreds of people that you interact with and you think, wow, we're making an impact. Then you think, but don't these people already care about what we're talking about? The expression, the old expression, preaching to the choir, right? Yes. But then you think, okay, well, what? even if that was true, and I suspect that's not entirely fair, then we are giving these hundreds of people the ability to articulate these areas, to focus. A lot of the conversations early in MKI were about robots, overlords, and sentient toasters and whatever that were going to take over. And I'm always happy to talk about that down the pub, but, but we've managed to get the conversation to what really matters, the biases, the inequalities, the diversity challenges in AI. And by giving that group of people the fluency to talk about that easily and, and to spread out to their networks, then... We're, yes, we have the ripple effects, even if we're not directly preaching to a million people who don't understand the implications of big tech policies. Uh, but uh, does Milton Keys get noticed uh, in the rest of the UK, in London, like, hey, this is actually an, an, uh, a community where we can learn how we can scale up things, what's happening here? Milton Keynes is very much known for experimenting. Um, we're the first usually to put in initiatives. We were the first city in the UK to have a robotic arm in our hospital for surgery, second in Europe. Um, it's very, I'm very reluctant to call any city a smart city. I mean, you can read up on Toronto and Google and the problems they had. Amsterdam, closer to you, is a, is a much better story. I think there's some great lessons to learn from there, and I hope Milton Keynes will. 
But a, a smart city is a connected city. It's a safe city. It's an interoperable city. And it's, it's not just look how much tech we've got, and we've got lots of tech. It's, it's the role of the citizens and the councillors and the tech companies working together. And we all speak different languages. And that's not a problem tech can overcome. That's a problem people overcome. So uh, when you talk with this uh, community, uh, and specifically about accountability, uh, what are the typical discussions you have? Well, that's a really great question. Thank you for it. We, we ask questions, first of all. Um, accountability from whom and for what? And if we just switch gears for a second, think about finance and climate and all those heated discussions around accountability, then you, you find the Church of England, for example, asking questions like, do we divest our investments from fossil fuels or do we keep our investments and then attend as shareholders and lobby them to change? And those are, those are difficult questions. We saw what happened with uh, Chevron and with Exxon this last couple of weeks and, and what the power of shareholders can do and putting new people on the board. So it's not simple as saying, you know, we just want to pull everything out. Although when you do that, you create a strong message. So you've got to really weigh these things up. Life is, is if there's anything, it's complex these days. Um, we see this all over. We, you know, we see women saying, well, okay, it's not equitable at the moment, but what if we just keep our heads down and, and become senior vice presidents and CEOs? Well, wouldn't that be better? And then we could make change from the top. And it, it makes sense when you hear it, but you think, no, 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 that can't be the way, you know, that just suck it up for 20 years and hope you can do something after that when you're in the system. So, no, I mean, I think the answer is, of course, that it's, it's, all these micro steps right now, not waiting five years to see if you can lobby somebody later on when you're a shareholder. And it's all it's all connected. That's why I reference climate. And, you know, if we have a wood burning stove in our house, it matters not at all. The problem is a billion of us do it. And then it's a problem, isn't it? So and it's an issue. Yeah. So uh, when you talk about accountability in a digital age, uh, what I'm hearing you saying uh, already at this stage is uh, you need to take small steps to get things done. And that can well, also all be of us, yeah. yeah. But we have yeah, to do that. We all have to do it. Yeah, if you sit here and think about the climate and you say, I, I'm just going to leave it to governments and industry, you know, go and read the facts. That it, it, that's not enough. It, it's not enough just to rely on industry and government. That won't be enough to solve the climate crisis. We have to get involved as well. And it's the same here. We can point at the investors and the shareholders and say, oh, well, you shouldn't and you should. We can point at the CEOs and say, you shouldn't, you should. Um, or we can point at the developers. Oh, you shouldn't be making this. You know, of course, we're, we're all in this. We're all observers. We're participators. We're able to question. We're consumers. We can make choices. And the only thing I'd say about the people in these companies as well is the tenure's super short. So yeah. with that list of people there, the developers, the people working on these tools at the big tech companies, um, that if there is a resistance to make change, then you're only going to be there two years. So. Okay. Interesting enough in your statement on uh, who can make that change. I, at the moment, I'm not hearing you mention uh, government, both either local or central. So and, and, and let me follow that up with a more concrete question. Um, Accountability in the digital age is very much a 21st century issue. Uh, technology is moving so fast, we need to see how we, we can uh, contain it and organize governance. 
Um, so have you just eluded that it also will need 21st century solutions? So not just look at governments to manage that, but look at ourselves, look at industry. I think so. The role of government is vital. The role of consumer is vital. And, and that's the top down, the bottom up. And they both uh, have an immense power and weight, of course. The, it gets murky at the top when you start looking into areas like decentralized technologies and cryptocurrencies, and you can see governments wondering about what power looks like in the future. But it, it, it flows both ways. And uh, I read somewhere the US government's printed 20% of all its money ever in the last two years. So mm -hmm. you can't be surprised when people look for a different store of value in Bitcoin or, or whatever else. Um, I think it's difficult. I think these tech companies have built in a resilience to government legislation and regulation, uh, partly through their war chests. If you think about Alibaba getting fined, what was it, $2.8 billion recently for bad practice, it doesn't touch the sides, right? It's yeah. just got billions and billions. They, they probably factor these kind of things into their strategy. Um, but government's, government's interesting, right? Because government, like in the UK with electric vehicles, they, they can say very clearly, you companies are innovative and incredible, but you've got to innovate with all of the market forces. And, and that's what's been missing. You know, in uh, automotive, they didn't innovate to include the damage to the environment. In telco, they didn't innovate to include the need for interruptibility. And we'd go off to Holland from the UK and come back with a 300 pound phone bill. It was, it was madness. You know, we were paying yeah. 40 pence for a text message that cost them nothing. It was just a license to print money. And so we have to ask all these companies, you know, you are part of this planet. You're not on it, you're in it. That's gonna be vital for all of us. We need interruptibility. We need you know, cooperation. We need shared data, open data, open innovation. You need to let more people work on your problems. And then when you do that, you set new boundaries and they innovate. They innovate incredibly well. You know, Samsung spent, what was it, $15 billion on R&D last year. These are big numbers. Yeah, extremely big numbers. Um, now, who do you think should, uh, do? You, have you described everybody who should be at the table uh, to make that change happen? Or are you, are we still missing somebody at the table? There's, I mean, I, I look at it as the, the consumer and the corporation are in somewhat of an interlocked dance because they're both trying to connect with each other in the right ways. And that that's, goes on. And, and then, you know, I, I don't really expect any of those to particularly change because I think, you know, the, the models we've set up and the game that they're playing is, is, is fixed for a little bit longer price, convenience, service, whatever, consumerism. Government, I think, has these challenges because of their, the speed and pace of this industry is phenomenal. It's very hard for any of us to keep up, let alone those who aren't really in the industry. So the, the area then is, is the, the sideways forces. And in climate, this is the hurricanes and the flooding, right? This is, you know, and in finance, this is cryptocurrencies. Um, and when, you know, in places like Nigeria and the Philippines with the unbanked and people that are making less money now because of COVID and the fees can be reduced through crypto, then you get this, this sudden market force come from the side that they weren't expecting. We can all 
get get frustrated about people just investing in Bitcoin and you know just trying to make a quick buck. But actually, the power of these platforms, Ethereum, Cardano, and others, is is opening up millions or more people into the system. In that case, the unbanked. And so, the question, I guess, is what are those sideways forces into our industry, mm-hmm. and what do they mean for accountability? And and are they going to get another billion people online and contributing? Maybe those around the corner slightly. I don't know what you think. Yeah, um, good question. To be honest, I don't have an answer to that question yet. Uh, but does um, uh, I, I do like to ask you following: What would a community or initiative like the Institute for Accountability in the Digital Age add to that discussion? What could our role be here? I I don't think we should play down the importance of discussion. Some, occasionally somebody will say to us, and I'm sure they say it to you, oh, it's about action, it's about doing things. Mm-hmm. And the world needs both. The world needs friends of the earth and it needs Extinction Rebellion. It, it needs both. And the ability to have uh, multi-faceted conversations from people all over the world who see the world through different lenses and different different ways is huge. And organizations like yours can can push back on the biases you know it's easy for us to go oh the eu is doing a great job with ai regulation compared to china well we've got our problems right i mean yes. you know in the uk we we don't know our neighbors we have no societies we're eating junk food we're obese we, you know we we convinced ourselves that the individual is everything and therefore if you're happy it's because you made the right choices and if you're miserable it's because you made bad choices and we're not perfect so i do not hope you're going to blame that on this technology that um, specific situation you just described I think it uh, look i mean these things go deep deep rooted and we we have incredible sort of pollutions in our society across all sorts of foods and and air quality and so on and i think they they do affect people at a fundamental level so my my point is really you know it's the bible isn't it you know she without sin cast the first stone right so i think if you the organization like yours can open up perspectives and say what what can we learn from others around the world um then i think that's incredible and um when I see the kind of machine learning use cases in Africa and how they approach the problem, when data is expensive, power is unreliable, connectivity is difficult, and then they go about building ML models. It's just fundamentally different thinking. Um, So if you're able to open minds and open perspectives, and we will learn so much more about accountability rather than just what do we care about? What do we think we do best? What are our biases? Because then we're just going to sort of perpetuate this idea that if only everybody would do it like we do it, Fritz. <laughs> you know? Hey, uh, Richard, I really love your feedback on that because you've um, very well explained um, why this was uh, set up at the instigation of uh, UNESCO. Uh, it's a, it is a true global discussion we need to have uh, as a 21st century issue. We are looking for 21st century solutions. And I think you're right, by just um, organizing, facilitating that dialogue, uh, we can make connections, which otherwise we not, would not have seen. And hopefully that will bring us the solutions we're looking for. I think so. I think they're out there. And yeah. that's an incredible mission to deliver yeah. on. 
Yeah. So I do hope that also with your podcast from uh, the Milton Keys AI, the Boundless Podcast, uh, you will do your bit on the global stage to uh, to showcase to people what are the AI opportunities, what are the, the possibilities we can have, and we can join forces that we can uh, provide also your community with what uh, we need to do to make sure that it's all um, controllable, explainable, accountable. Yes, we, we have a window for sure. Yeah. The future yeah. is not yet written. Yeah, okay. So, uh, if it's a window, how long will that window be open? Not too long, but windows close and windows shut all the time. So, you know, we have to remember that um, society had huge problems a thousand years ago and society will have huge problems a thousand years from now. So we, we needn't get fixated that these are the only problems ever. The, um, I think this decade is crucial as every decade is, but particularly this one, I think, and it's heightened by climate and so on and DNI, of course. Um, but I think the battle this this decade around regulation, decentralization, and big tech is is going to be ferocious, and it, it, we all need to get stuck into this. If big tech gets its way, and I, and I love technology, of course, you you know that everybody knows that, but if they have a free access to move into the the spatial domain for data collection. I mean, just remember that Facebook went from an $8 billion company to an $86 billion company in just a few years. And, and well done them. That's very impressive. 98% of that is from advertising. And they deliver $86 billion just by knowing what you click on and what you type. I mean, what does that look like when they know everything? What does that look like when we start having interfaces going into our brain? They're basic. Yes, of course they are, but it's it's more and more learning. And and I love it when I see these devices and Apple want one that's going to shine a light into your bloodstream and it'll tell you if you're over the limit for alcohol and your blood sugar levels and so on. But um, And maybe we can even trust Apple a little bit, but we can't trust the industry because it's just built to deliver profit. It's just built on the old capitalistic mindsets. Those are failing us because people are, are not included. They're failing us because 20 companies are producing 55% of all plastic waste. They're failing us because 10 billionaires have got more money than half the world put together. And equality is better for all of us. And we, 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 these companies can make the leap from billion dollar to trillion dollar companies, but with us, not despite us. Uh, Richard, I think you've made you, you've made me curious because I assume these are the topics you put in your show, the MKAI show. Because, and I think these are the topics uh, discussions we should have to know what's happening, uh, what's out there, and uh, but also how we can keep everything accountable. So, um, I'm going to be very curious to uh, go back to your next show. Uh, we'll make certain that uh, people will be able to uh, follow the link to uh, also access it uh, as well. And uh, I very much would like to thank you for your contribution to uh, your accountability in the digital age. What is it about and what are potential ways to get there? So, uh, hey, Richard, very much uh, a thank you for this discussion. Thank you, Fritz. You do an amazing job. <laughs>